Day four is yours, Thursday of the masterclass. Now today's uh, topic is very important. We're looking at problem foods and clean eating. So when people talk about, you might have talked to coaches, but we got to eat clean, which means like veggies only, lean meats and all that stuff. And it doesn't work, right? It just flat out doesn't work. People rebel against that plan. Most diets or most plans are, they say you eat about these small groups of foods, and the rest of them you can't eat. So basically they restrict you from everything. So it doesn't work, right? And if all of you be listening to the podcast, we know we're looking at our data objectively like a scientist. We must stop this conflict in the mind, this food conflict we're always having. We look at a food, we say it's bad, but we want the bad food. And then we fight that, we break, we eat the bad food, we feel bad about eating the bad food, and we fight ourselves over and over and over. This is a non-stop thing, right? So we, there is no good and bad foods. There are no good and bad foods. That's the first thing to say. There are nutrient-dense foods and lower nutrient-dense foods. Every food has its place. You know, some are tastier, some are higher in calories, some are lower in calories, all that stuff, right? But there's a very, very interesting study, right, on problem foods. Now, they ask you to list out your problem foods, which I want you to do. So list out five problem foods. It could be ice cream. It could be a chocolate bar, Snickers bar. It could be Oreo ice cream sandwich. It could be whatever it is. List five of them out. Right, and in the study, it found that the only intervention that was um, strongly correlated with weight loss was the the people that could eat their problem foods in moderation, a portion size that was decent size but wasn't overboard. That was the only intervention that actually worked for long term weight loss. The rest of the stuff didn't work, and the other interventions were never to buy the food to rely on your friends and family to stop you eating the food, to buy like the lower calorie ones that don't taste the same so you never get that fulfillment you eat and you go, it's not the same, it's not the same and I want the, I want the real thing. So none of those things worked. The only thing that worked was being able to eat the problem food in moderation. So essentially what that means is, is turning a problem food into a non-problem. Does that make sense to you? Because if we're eating in moderation and we're stopping, we go, I'll eat the Snickers bar and that's it. Right, you move on with your day, happy days. The problem is, the, the classic mindset is, oh, I don't want it, but oh, okay, I'll have it. Oh my God, why have I started eating this? My day's now ruined, it's over, because I've had a chocolate bar. But your body's not saying, oh my God, Scott, you just had a Snickers bar, now you'll never lose fat today. The body sees things as protein, carbs, and fat. It doesn't see the brand name, like think about it. The body's not thinking, oh my God, he's had a Mars bar, what a loser. Is not going to stop fat loss in his tracks. What is the thing that determines weight gain or weight loss is total calories over time, right? It's not about the actual food name, brand, thing, right? We make it a problem and then we hate ourselves and then we eat out of guilt eating, comfort eating, stress eating, all that stuff comes into play. So you have to be able to eat your problem food, right, without it being a problem. It's very, very important. And I want you to pick one of your problem foods today and track it. I want you to pick something. I'm going to have an Oreo ice cream sandwich myself. I'm going to put it in the app. It's never a problem for me. I put it in the app, job done. Sometimes I have it in the morning. Think about it. Scott, you don't have an ice cream in the morning, you gimp. Yeah, I do. I have an Oreo sandwich sometimes in the morning when I go on a walk. I love it. I put it in the app. No problem. Me. I mean, can I get better use of macros? Of course. Is there better food choices that are going to give me more bang for my buck calorie-wise? Of course. Right? But uh, we don't want to live a life where we don't have the foods we love. Okay, so then when we look at another piece of research that looks at what diet, so they looked at 2,000 calorie diet and they used a computer program to figure out which 
combination of foods can we get our vitamin and mineral needs from? So into the program, they had like 800 odd foods. The first test they did, can we hit 2,000 calories and achieve all of our vitamin and mineral goals from the generic foods from the supermarket and they found from unprocessed foods and they found they couldn't do it from 2,000 calories. It wasn't possible. Mathematically, in the study, it wasn't possible. The only combination that was possible from the hit them vitamin and mineral targets was a combination of unprocessed foods and processed foods, right? And ultra processed foods. And an ultra processed food is a is a is a yogurt, for example, a Greek yogurt has been processed, ultra processed, is cereals. All these things are ultra processed. Just because they're ultra processed doesn't mean they're bad. They've got added vitamin and minerals, most of them, fortified with iron and all this stuff. They all have got that on them. So that's why it was possible to hit the vitamin and mineral targets with a combination of both and not just the quote-unquote clean foods. If you're just doing clean foods, you're going to find it very difficult actually to kind of have this balance, right? And we know rigid dieting doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. We know the flexible approach is the approach that works. It's the non-judgmental approach. It's the approach where we don't hate ourselves or the foods we eat. Some days we wake up and we just feel terrible and, you know, we just want to we just want to eat the food we like. We don't want to go and eat chicken and broccoli. And then, if, you know, coaches will be like, no pain, no gain. <laughs> no pain, no gain, Scott. If you can't do it, you don't deserve it. I don't know why I'm doing a weird voice, but you know what I mean? They, like, keep going. If you can't, if you can't eat, if you can't stick to your diet, then you can't do anything. It's like, no, mate. That's not how we're going to live our life, right? Um, so pick a problem food. Eat the problem food. Make it a non-problem food, track it and post it in the group what you had and how about you weren't guilty about it because the guilt comes from thinking it's going to stop your progress. It doesn't. There was another research by Professor Mark Hobb of Kansas State University. He ate sugar sweets every three hours for 10 weeks but he was in a calorie deficit. He lost 27 pounds. His health markers actually improved which shocked him. His bad cholesterol went down, good cholesterol went up, body fat went down. All Everything improved because he went from a BMI of overweight to a normal range of BMI. And what he said at the end was, look, I'm not suggesting you eat 100% sugary food rubbish, right? Not, I don't suggest that. But what I'm saying is you can have, it doesn't have to be 90% clean as we say and 10% junk as we say. It can even be 50-50, it could be 60-40, it could be 60 unprocessed food, 40, you know, convenient, ultra-processed, fast food, you know, food you can buy, meal, ready meals and stuff like that. The first, the most important part is, do we track our calories first, we hit our macro targets, once we get used to hitting the targets of the foods we love, right, you can see results from it. You get an insight, you get a breakthrough light bulb moment when you start losing weight and you're eating foods like a chocolate bar like cereal, like foods you thought were going to stop fat loss, you actually realize they don't as long as you're hitting your calorie macro targets. And then once you've got momentum, you say, do you know what? Why don't I meal prep my lunches instead of going to Tesco and getting them that like ready meal, even though the ready meal was high in protein? Why don't I meal prep so I can add more veggies myself, save money? This intrinsic motivation to improve food quality will come in time. If you try and do it all at once, it doesn't work. Small change is true change. Remember it. You can't do all of this at once, right? So there's three studies I mentioned there, three three very important studies. Eating our problem foods and making them a non-problem is essential to long-term change. We must be able to live with the foods we love, right? Understanding that it's a mix of foods, ultra-processed and unprocessed, is going to give us the best diet quality, actually, and it's going to be sustainable. And the third thing is, 
you absolutely can lose fat with a terrible diet, but it's not recommended, but it's been proven. What we're trying to say is that you're not eating 100% junk. You eat. You could be eating 50% unprocessed, 50% processed, and that's absolutely fine to start with, right? What is going to give you the biggest health benefits, if you are overweight or obese starting this, is the reduction of body fat by 5-10%. That's where a lot of health benefits come from. It's the reduction of body fat. Right, so how you get that reduction, eating food you love, happy days. We can look at diet quality over time. We can look at switching out certain foods for other foods and meal prepping over time. Meal prepping saves money, meal prepping saves time, but it's not possible for us all to jump in and do it straight away. Okay, so be kind to yourself. Remember you're a scientist. Observe your thoughts without judgment. Observe your actions. See how you think about food. Eat your problem food today. Observe your thoughts about it and how your mind will go off. Oh my God, you're a loser, you've lost it. Put in the app, post it in the group, happy days, well done. This is one of the biggest moves you're going to make in terms of your nutrition. It is the ability to eat foods without hating ourselves. Once we can get over this part, repair this relationship with food, honest to God, it's a life-changing moment. It is. Because all we do is fight food, right? And the only way to stop fighting food is to stop the thought going round in circles about food. If you see yourself eating a lot, a lot of chocolate and you think, and you know you're eating it and you go, I don't eat chocolate, why am I keep eating it? Stop going around in circles with thought because thought is the creation of desire, right? Without thought, there's no desire, right? So your thoughts are going around in circles, creating desire for it and then, then you're creating desire to eat and then you're creating the desire not to eat it. So it's desire all the time, it's in a loop. I want it, I don't want it, I want it, I don't want it, I want it, I don't want it. And if that doesn't ever stops. When it does stop, if you can just look at it. So for 90 seconds, if you feel like you're about to binge or overeat something, just sit with that for 90 seconds and just look at the food and stop trying to fight it. Just look at it and look at the thought. and Don't fight the thought. You don't want to change it or accept it. Just look at it and stand there in silence and stillness for 90 seconds. And the science says that the feeling, the emotion will go away after 90 seconds. Sit with it. Don't judge. Observe. Don't accept. Don't decline. Don't let desire want to want you to eat their desire want you to not eat it and the feeling the intensity of that desire will wash away after 90 seconds right so that's what you want to watch when you eat your problem food today and see what happens so let me know how it goes enjoy your day remember live one day at a time okay you can make a change today you can make the change tomorrow be kind to yourself observe you're a scientist experiment let's go and i'll speak to you all tomorrow